Welcome to Keyframes in Betweens, a mini podcast about anime. I'm your host Duncan, and tonight we'll be joined by Andy. Hey, hey, hey. And Jeff. Yellow. We're here tonight to talk about the Violet Evergarden movie. This is a film that was announced in late 2018 after the conclusion of the series, but its production was delayed by the events surrounding the arson at Kirani's studio and its aftermath. And its release was further disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic, finally arriving on Netflix last autumn. Violet Evergarden has been a series we've talked about in the past, a story of a child soldier overcoming her trauma while working as a letter writer in a pre-telephony world. The film chooses to open in a somewhat unconventional style with a continuation of the story several generations removed from the events of this series, where Daisy, a young woman, sets out to discover more about the famous but mysterious woman who wrote a series of letters to her grandmother from her great-grandmother. We, of course, know all about Violet, but it's through Daisy's journey the tale is framed. When we meet Violet again, she is at the height of her fame, taking jobs to help others express themselves while still unable to express herself. However, we see a change in her when she chooses to take on a job from a young boy called Julius, who is dying of a terrible anime disease. However, events take another turn when a letter is found suggesting her long-lost love, Major Gilbert, is alive. And she travels to a windswept island to find out what happened to him. And... That's the Violet Evergarden movie. We'll go into it <laughs> far more detail the, it's, now. It's funny because I'm surprised, uh, hand on the table, Duncan, that you wanted to do this podcast because my impression was that you didn't enjoy the original TV series of Violet Evergarden. If I remember correctly, you called it emotional blackmail. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andy... My opinion of the conclusion of this movie may indeed chime exactly with that statement. <laughs> I, like, I mean, but I think overall, I'm more favorably disposed to this movie than I was to the series. I think there's been some good development of side characters that I wasn't expecting at all, mm-hmm. and that they've addressed some of the issues that were kind of obvious about Gilbert and Violet's relationship. But I do think it has some big um, structural problems, one of which I'd like to start our discussion with, which is, well, how do you feel about Daisy and her role as framing device here? So a big part of Violet Evergarden, as much as it's about recovering from trauma, it's also dealing with the pace of modernization. Uh, there's a pretty consistent theme throughout the series mm. of you get, you get the impression that, you know, this this fantasy world that they've created is sort of a weird mix of like interwar Europe and Taisho era Japan. And so yeah. like when they go out into the will, not into the wilderness, but into the rural areas, mm-hmm. it looks like, you know, rice paddies and like sort of traditional architecture. There is sort of like a, you know, a Tokyo Tower like analog being built throughout the series that you see completed by now. And of course this also affects, uh, like you were saying, it's a pre-telephony world, but that technology is being introduced in this movie. And in fact plays into the plot and how this technology is Mm. basically going to make 
the job of the letter writer effectively obsolete, though mm-hmm. the uh, the series has sort of, uh, you know, a point of view that the the act of writing a letter communicates something beyond what you can achieve with uh, modern technology. And so having the show begin in the future sort of gets you, you know, rapidly back into the mindset of, okay, this is what the modern world has. And now we are going to, you know, part of this is, you know, part of rediscovering Violet Evergarden, the person is also just rediscovering the concept of the letter writer, the, you know, the, the auto, what, what, what is it like the auto auto memory doll, auto memory doll, doll. like what, you know, what was lost when this technology came into, into play? I, I didn't really mind uh, inclusion of, I can't even remember her name now, but... Daisy. Daisy, thank you. But for me, it was all just a way of me reintroducing and remembering the parts of the original series because it's been, what, like four or five years? Yeah. yeah. And on top of that, it was also a way of introducing the show to someone who hasn't seen the TV series. So I thought it was like a good... XP for some for for beginners basically uh, mm-hmm. to enjoy what I felt was a, a very a very competent and well told story that made me cry a lot, um, <laughs> um, which also is in keeping with the TV series. I think I still I still hold Violet Evergarden as maybe one of the best Kyoannis that's ha- come out. I really love I really love Violet Evergarden, and I know that Duncan disagrees, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think Violet Evergarden's great, uh, and I enjoyed the the payoff of at the end when you know you see them, you see Violet and Major Gilbert in the sea. Uh, that is such a sweet moment, uh, and that was such a beautiful payoff. And mm. I felt for them. I understood his emotions. I understood why he didn't want to see her, but you also feel the frustration having sat through a series and a bit of her longing for him to, you know, get together. And I felt that they nailed that bit well. I also really liked the little kid, like the little kid dying. And it felt interesting to me because it was the same story that you'd already heard. You already heard the story of Kathy's granddaughter. That was the next question I wanted to ask you guys um, was about um, uh, Julius and his... Uh, anime disease and how it very much mirrored the story of um, uh, Daisy's uh, great grandmother mm-hmm. and how mm. right down to leaving letters to be read to someone after the, they died mm. and I just wondered did either of you feel like there were significant differences to how Violet participated in that story compared to the original one because I thought there was there was some and I thought there were uh, they actually kind of related to uh, what Jeff was talking about in terms of what does a writer as an intermediary add to a message sending. Mm, I felt that I felt that the way the only thing that she stopped Eudis from doing was writing a letter to his best friend and saying instead sometimes there are things that are better said in person, um, which uh, was I felt kind of the. The thing that they were get, they were trying to say was not like like technology's taking over and that's better. What they're trying to say is there are times for letters when you want to write to someone after you've passed to say thank you, 
in a way that you can't vocalize now. And there are times when you're having a fight or an argument, or you've got some feelings that you are unexpressed that you should, you should feel, you should be instant in that. And communication mm. is important for that yeah. degree so that mm. you can have a peaceful life uh, and he can, they can too. Um, mm. So it's kind of like, and that was why I think if there was any interruption, like the, any intervention that Violet did was was that letter that she never wrote. Even though she promised to write him, at the end of the day, it, like he made the right decision in order to talk to him instead of giving him yearning on what, you know, giving this unresolved matter that you can't do after death. I thought that was very powerful. Mm -hmm. I thought that was very good. Uh, and also mirrored back nicely to... Um, Violet Evergarden and Gilbert's uh, sort of relationship because at that point Violet didn't know whether Gilbert was alive or not I felt that that was her mirroring her own history and her own understanding of what love is I yeah. thought that was very very impactful I think you make a good point about uh, how certain things should be said especially with the idea that you have a limited time on this world and sometimes you just have to say something in person mm. uh, rather than write it. But I think that the counter, and maybe what this suggests, is that sometimes writing is the right way to to do things when the relationship between two people is so laden with emotion and his relationship with his parents, like he's portrayed as being almost a little, not angry with them, but like frustrated. Like he just mm. wants to, he doesn't want them like pitying him and fawning over him he just wants them to be like they normally were with him and that's stopping him from talking to them in a way that he wants to and similarly they from hearing what he wants to tell them and this intermediary of violets helping him f find his way to what he wants to say and to write it down i think that's that is something which we've we've very much lost of especially in our current world, not just the, the post-telephony -tele world, but the post-internet world, like the instant text back without thinking what you're writing. Like that's that's almost the most damning, damning <laughs> thing anyone in our generation ever does and goes, oh, yeah, God, the, I shouldn't have sent that. The, the, the left on read uh, is not so... <laughs> Uh, mm. It's not so there on a letter, and I, I, I agree. Like that, that was kind of the beauty of the letters that were written and the things that were said in letter. It gives people that space, which is kind of what the great thing about the auto memory dolls were is that they, they can. And you know, Violet is a great one. She is. It's known that she's great, and she proves it in the pre in the series beforehand. Mm -hmm. But in this, it really comes to light how much she's grown as a person and a human, understanding moving from a, a, an emotionally dead war machine to a machine that is now dealing with pure emotions. And that is the battlefield for her to move on to. Mm -hmm. and, it's, uh, it's, it's almost like comical how, you know, at the height of her powers she is because the movie opens with a reading of a speech that she wrote that is in this world yeah. effectively like a combination of the Queen's Christmas speech and the Pope's like Easter sermon because yeah. it's yeah. supposed to, and what? you know, which you know helps to drive home how much you know because of mm -hmm. the the structure of the show, Violet is portrayed as 
sort of, you know, the ultimate soldier insofar as that she is able to carry out other people's orders effectively, but cannot, you know, accomplish that for herself. Hmm. Yeah, you, you back at our Maid episodes, we talked about how a lot of the arc of this series is Violet's um, job as service, as her carrying out the wishes of others mm. and not really letting her own feelings come into it. And like the second half of this film is very much about Violet letting her, her feelings come into it, all of, of which is... Uh, brought on by the 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 confirmation of all our hopes that in fact, as Brian Blessed would put it, Gildut's alive. No, we can't. No, no. that's garbage. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm not having that. Yes, Gilbert was a, is alive, and that was a very bittersweet moment. I think if I remember, if memory serves me, it's been a while, but I think that was teased at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, they had someone with a, a cap and him, but mm-hmm. it's, it was like. It was always like whether that was a fig- figurative or that was the ac- actual old Gilbert coming off, and even if that was him, I think they showed him coming off a, a ship, which m- means it doesn't actually track with where we find him in this series, no, which is on a, a remote does. island. It does. He said that he moved to the island a year after helping at the hospital, which would have tracked with the season. Mm-hmm. Because okay. when we left Violet, it was very early on, and then there was a time skip for where we are now, so it is entirely possible. Um, also, it doesn't really matter as far as <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. this was the this is the beauty about this show is is that kind of like it doesn't matter what time frames some stuff is done. Like you can still you can theoretically still do another season of Violet Evergarden of their just her just writing more letters to people mm-hmm. um, yeah. and having her as an auto memory doll going around and doing shit which i would still welcome because i enjoyed that format a lot well you can you can still watch the ova andy because i think you've still got that yeah, missing from your, yeah, your that's, catalog yeah. that's the one that i got left <laughs> i mean it's, it's it was it was a surprisingly long one but it's 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 a decent one off and i think considering your love for the series you'll definitely enjoy it i think um the move to the island of of if I'm not sure it's the correct pronouncing, but Eckhart, this was actually a very definite turning point in the visual as well as the emotional stakes. Mm. Because I've I've always loved the way Kyoani renders landscapes and like one of its things which from this almost defined the series to me was like it has this these flourishes in the episodes where it will just do a time lapse of the of a landscape and mm-hmm. it will just just like stuck there just doing this landscape where you see this like astonishing fluidity and sensitivity to to light in the animators which is just like things people just doing soft light is just incredibly hard to do Mm. in animation and they just do it virtuosely but here at this halfway point in the movie we go from uh i think it's leiden the the city uh where we have this golden sort of mediterranean light and all these vivid colors and we go to a cart where not only is it raining frequently, it's, it's the light's diffused and, and the skies are grey. And whenever we see Gilbert, he's framed in shadows, partly because they're, they're hiding the fact he's, he's had an arm blown off as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the old uh, weather and landscape reflecting mood is, is an extremely old trick, but it was a very effective one here. Like that change, just looking at the screen and in just suddenly everything 
losing its vibrancy and being subdued while the emotions are actually building like mm. it's, it's it's something shakespeare would like like uh the you have to, you've built up to the confrontation and it's pouring down in rain and she's screaming at the door and like mm-hmm. like it's i know you i i say Violet Evergarden can occasionally be a bit of an emotional sledgehammer, but I I think it does that. It is the finest crafted sledgehammer you could imagine, and I find it hard to resent it because of that. Yeah, I felt that it pulls at the heartstrings, and it deserved and it earned that emotional, you know, that emotion more than say, mm. like whenever some other trashy show comes and it's raining, and you're like, okay, or as I've noticed this season of anime people saying something stopping looking in the distance and then laughing that is like the most common thing ever and it's such an annoying like anime trait and i'm like no but it felt like it felt like violet evergarden actually earned that like it felt that yeah it earned its uh, emotional punches and it pulled them off really well and with a you know like voice acting was absolutely superb on those moments Pace. And it was just it was just shot at a really lovely way that just and like you know you could the when she ran away and then it was that it's like a gray scene where you can't tell where the sea starts and the land begins and it's like her in the like she is so small in that screen and she just falls over and the camera just sort of stays and looks at her for like I don't know it was it was really beautiful the way that they did that and the way that they sort of showed her grief and her emotional weight and. The way she felt small and alone mm-hmm. in this really mm-hmm. like horrible environment, which like like you know, kind of a flashback to her days fighting, but she's not fighting for her life anymore. You know, she's fighting for she's her life. <laughs> I was going to say. Speaking of, of flashbacks, we get to see a bit of Gilbert's memory of their uh, relationship in the past. Did what we see of him and what he he says and also what his brother reveals about him did that make either of you more or less sympathetic for gilbert because i found him in the series kind of like like his his role was just to be this like totemic thing to violet like Mm -hmm. it, it was just the guy who was kind to her and he didn't have anything more more than that it was just this one person in the military who who wasn't a complete utter bastard, and here he actually gets fleshed out, and I think some of that was quite interesting to me, because he seemed to be aware of the weight of that at times, of being someone's whole world, and how that when he felt he then subsequently let that person down, his guilt was pretty overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't know how much the show really wants to struggle with the fact that Violet was a child soldier and that Gilbert, <laughs> the person that she had imprinted on, basically like a puppy because he was she, he was the first person to ever treat her like a human being. You know, he still used her as a child soldier. You know, he feels bad about it. You know, he, you know, he knew that she was a, a tool that could get the job done to win battles and as a as a military commander that was his first priority but he still he still internalized the idea that like i am i am harming this child by doing these things in the movie we we find him sort of committing himself to a life of isolation as atonement as sort of a combination of like self-pity and 
when mm. Violet finds him, you know, she's grown to the point where, you know, she is able to save him and she's never, you know, she's never dealt with the fact that she was used in this way. You know, it was completely natural to her. And then, you know, gradually becoming more human was, you know, a, a, you know, a, a journey that she had sort of taken to make herself more worthy of, you know, being with Gilbert. And there is like definitely like a weird dynamic here that the show doesn't really want to dwell on. They don't really want to say like, oh, this was like a problem. You know, maybe it's best that they they separate. But there's also the story, you know, the fairy tale aspect of like, we want these people to come together. And her, you know, eventually dragging him out of his shell, you know, with the help of his brother and her then, you know, spending the rest of her life with him. If you're just looking for like a nice happy ending and you know you're not really hung up on the on the uh on the circumstances, I guess it works, but I don't know if it like like Andy was saying that he, you know, he feels it was earned. Like I don't know, like I don't know if it was. Fair enough. I, I mean it is worth mentioning that like I was thinking this, like he's at least double of age, which is fine, but there's like a slight codependency. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things where it's like he, you know, he is like he reads as young adult and she mm. reads as child in, you know, in the war. And then, yeah. you know, that sort of like weird, you know, teen adult that all anime characters tend to be like. It's very useful yeah. in the show where they like they constantly tell you, oh, she's so young. She's so immature because like everybody in the show is like a china doll and perfect because it's a kyoani joint and like you know even like your her like older senpais who are supposed to be like adults you know look like they could also just be high school students in an yeah anime. like you know you know in that film she is 18 so yeah. she is uh, and you know that when you see her yeah. in the flashbacks she is like a child even like physically a small, yeah. yeah like, uh, how how old? Twelve, thirteen. I, so the age difference must be like at least ten years, I'm guessing. Yeah, I I I think I was kind of fooled by the, yeah, the flashbacks I, with his brother to thinking he's younger than he actually is because he's but, he's twenty nine in the film, and I was like, <laughs> I told what? you, I told you, <laughs> twenty nine. Because, <laughs> because that flashback, that flashback was before the wars were even a thing. Uh, yeah. And like, if you look at the the visual design of his brother, his brother doesn't change from the war to post-war, and he does change, but only because he loses an eye and an arm. Other than that, like his physical difference are very much matured by that point. So it doesn't surprise me that yeah, she's she's quite young, and you could look at it as sort of like a, an emotional codependency that is unhealthy. But mm-hmm. that's what he was fighting against. That's what he didn't want. He wanted. He wanted Violet to forget him, uh, but she can't forget him because, uh, you know, he said the words that were the most important to her at that time that kept her fighting. And I thought, again, I thought that was really sweet and beautiful. And it's only 10 years. That eight, that gap's going to be less and less <laughs> by, the, by the time. Before we move completely off uh, Gilbert, I... Uh, we, we've mentioned his brother in passing. I I thought uh, Dietfried uh, was kind of like surprisingly well all captured and had mm. was uh, like he went from just like almost a two dimensional cad in the series mm-hmm. to actually having s- some depth here, being like the one who is far more willing than Gilbert to confront the fact he's made a lot of selfish choices and that they've had bad effects on others. Like, Mm -hmm. Gilbert is still 
enjoying his martyrdom and maybe that's a harsh way of putting it but he's decided his punishment is to to go on to this island and to never be in Violet's life again but that completely ignores the fact that Violet needs that closure from him Violet needs to to see him it's it's incredibly selfish of him to refuse to talk to her to put his feelings of being right ahead of her being given a chance to heal and mm-hmm. deep Freed actually calls him on it and does it so in a way which is far more subtle than claudia's claudius is uh violet's boss is kind of like one of the most i don't know like he feels like a comedy extra at times like he's so plays so much like the overprotected dad character and d- does it in ways which are so cheesy compared to the the rest of the tone of the film mm, i don't mm-hmm. i don't know yeah maybe mm. i i think that he's just caring and loves loves uh violet almost as much as gilbert does has that similar attachment there's like a big span of time that i think we're missing mm-hmm. that we maybe haven't seen if anything my only problem with it was like it started off fucking about doing really nothing and i was like where is this movie going like why why do i care whether they're playing tennis or not <laughs> when the, the the end of the second act and the third act especially like when that all came together it all pieced really nicely uh and i also really like the way that uh like one of the last shots is just the picture of the, the new stamp which has violet's like uh, profile view and it's like that to them is now they're like their icon of this of this island is this famous uh, auto memory doll i thought that was really sweet like the way that the way that the power of letters can live on in people's memories and their hearts stronger than anything else does it was good it really it really hit it really hit home for me i did find like the finale where He's running down the shore, well, down across the island towards her, and she's on a boat leaving. I was like, doesn't she have metal arms? I'm pretty sure she's going to sink when she jumps off that boat. And and that's incredibly, like, considering the size of that boat. (laughs) Like, like, this this is Violet, welcome to Violet Evergarden plot holes, but nevertheless. No, mm because don't don't you also remember when she was in the snowy, like, the snowy bit in the season where she like kills three guys and skis down as like she's she's a badass she she can fucking yeah. swim like that's not a that wasn't a problem for me if she wants to she can fucking kick some ass and she has done in the season uh the original season so that didn't worry me the big the weird thing was like when uh Gilbert and um and Deep Deepfried were standing on a cliff miles away and having like a very quiet conversation to each other that's when I was like uh, I don't think they're really going to be able to hear each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was that emotional distance that I guess they were trying to show uh, where Deep Feed was mm-hmm. like, I understand this is where you want to be. And also him giving, uh, Deep Feed giving Gilbert the, the the ability to be free from his past shackles by saying like, I will tell people that you're dead. It's absolutely fine. But you should have should have visited your mum when she died. Like that... That was sort of like the only kind of rap that you know she he gave Gilbert. I thought I thought it was really nice he's done. I think as Jeff said that was a very sweet and well 
well emotion moment between two people who probably hadn't seen eye to eye um for a very long time even mm-hmm. before the war even before just as brothers like it was very well done i thought that that was that was like an emotion that i think a lot of brothers have or a lot of people who are well i i've only got good things to say about this movie <laughs> <laughs> i mean my, and my, like i i'm I mostly like it. Like I am a person who is completely open to be emotionally manipulated. I love it. <laughs> um, like I'm rewatching. I don't think it was the manipulation, dis- though. I still don't. Well, I mean, manipulation. Not some... I just think. I just think it's telling stories of people at their most vulnerable times. Like I don't understand how that's not how that's manipulation. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's it's they just lay it on thick. They, you know, they, oh, of course they, does, they, they, a... they begin a movie or they begin a scene with, you know, we are going to make you feel this and we are going to use every tool in the toolbox yeah. to do that. We are going to create a tragic backstory. We're yep. going to have the, it works. uh, yeah, that's what I'm it saying. Works. Like I it enjoy works. it. Like so, I'm completely so open to it. And so like, I don't, the I don't, what's the, the only person who's got a problem is Duncan. It's like what they can't, deserve. <laughs> you, you can't have characters who have backstories and feelings and emotions and people die <laughs> no, and no, it's sad. And, Andy, it, it's, it's when they, they, they just, basically hold a shot on a, a crying young girl as yeah. tears yeah. and they just it's like are you crying yet i'm gonna keep so, holding so you do keep still I mean, there you She's don't, still crying are you no, crying yet no you don't you keep, don't have to cry i'll keep it, holding it's, it's you don't have to cry duncan i cried the girl was crying <laughs> but that wasn't because they were trying to make you cry i was trying to show the emotion that she is having mm. no man like 50 50 man no i disagree like the the tears are there and they're they're deserved. I I stand by that. I don't believe it's emotional blackmail. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not exactly a masterclass in subtlety. But oh, you don't no. you don't you don't go to Kyoani for subtlety. You go to Kyoani for just lavish like indulgence in both style and everything else. Like other, I mean, like name a Kyoani show that is not indulgent in some way like what is their like most subtle subdued thing like can you can you name Probably a single silent show? voice what what i was going to say is that violent evergarden really it wants to have the sort of big symbolic things like violet evergarden's arms her like prosthetic arms at the beginning of the series are sort of a symbol of like her you know she's got the emotional barrier between herself and everybody else around her and also this physical barrier that prevents her from interacting with the world properly but as the series progresses they become more and more aesthetic to the point where there is scenes in the OVA where she is like you know she's having a bath with like the person that she's helping and like comforting them in bed with her arms and like you know it's just that oh she's just this pretty girl with cool arms like like, like they use the utility as symbols mm-hmm. because it's overwhelmed by their desire to have this sort of intimate scene. And like you were saying earlier with the scene where she like jumps off the boat and swims ashore, like that would be a tough like swim to make if you were an Olympic swimmer in proper swimming gear. And, you know, this is like, you know, a woman with two, two prosthetic arms and a full like you know 1920 style dress and like heavy boots and she does it like a champion and like you were saying like yeah she's like essentially a super soldier you know no, we're she shown is a super throughout... soldier yeah she literally like we're shown... a super soldier she's not obsessed yeah, like... she is like that's why yeah, she like, could, that's like... why you can believe that she can swim to fucking sit well sorry <laughs> they never really, like, like 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 she's you know emo- you know she was just like this emotionally stunted you know like 
child soldier. Like there's, like, I, I, I swear at some point they wanted to go into, you know, oh, there was like this secret super soldier program and like you know the other sort of delivery boy who wears the high heels was like a veteran of that or something but they just they they never really go into that like you know she is the sort of you know the man for you know the woman for all seasons you know she could do anything the whole point of her is that you know we can tell these stories and she is there to facilitate them but when they when they have to make the story about her and you know her growth and her you know emotional closure you know with gilbert yeah, like a lot of the things that make her a powerful storytelling tool sort of serve to muddy and muddle, you know, the the impact of those things happening to her. I was going to say, yeah, like, I mean, I kind of agree with you there, but what I was also going to mention, it felt like there was a theme through the beginning of the series onwards where her prosthetics were failing her. Like there's a scene very early on where she starts typing her hands go weird, so she pulls off a glove and then, like, just unbuttons a thing and then twists a knob once and then it's all fine and then mm-hmm. keeps on typing. And there's also similar moments where you see her her prosthetics failing her and sort of being jittery and sort of betraying her sort of stoic face to show either, either to show emotion or to show that it's kind of falling apart a bit, um, which also was kind of... At the end, when she was at the beach, I had wondered whether her prosthetics had completely fallen, failed her, because they were just kind of like dead weights hanging off a body. It didn't feel like she had any control over them. Even then, like Gilbert was like, "Like, I want to see your face so I can wipe your tears." Like, she moved it, but she didn't move her arms afterwards. I thought it was really yeah, powerful. There was this this gesture which I I, I noticed that in that scene. I wondered whether it was in, intentional or not. And you you talking about that, Andy, makes me think maybe it was in that her arm she, her arms seemed to be like swinging and like mm. hitting her her leg like mm. repeatedly. It was like like gently hitting herself almost. Um, I don't think I don't think it was that. I thought it was more like like Gilbert has finally confessed to her and her like she. Her arms were sort of a way of showing that she's just given up. She don't need a longer needed to fight. Like they have give they have they have done their job of finally getting food to her him, and so they kind of just fell. But that's me interpreting a lot into a scene mm. um, <laughs> that spent a long time. Sort of you know, it spent a a long time just sort of sitting on them to. Kind of like well, yeah. If, if there's one thing I can't criticize you for, Andy, it's reading a lot into one scene. Because <laughs> uh, there was one one shot in that which, like, they they like to use the space between characters. Like as mm. as I think you and Jeff pointed out with the brothers in that halfway through his his speech, like they just cut to like a knee high shot of Gilbert just taking a step forward towards her, and like that that was a really effective way of like showing someone trying to, to make a connection without the more sledgehammery ways of cutting in on his face and or using very, very obvious words to do it. It was just a, a small physical gesture which just got across the fact that he wanted to, like, close the gap and embrace her. And, like, yeah, it's... I did cry a little. I will admit that. <laughs> as much as I criticise it, I can't criticize their craft because their craft is impeccable uh i i mean yeah but i was, I was going to remember something that you mentioned uh with claudia like it did occur to me also that claudia had a similar emotion to gilbert because claudia helped violet 
learn how to use his arms. And so there's a kind of a really nice scene where I think she's trying to eat food, mm-hmm. can't do it. And then it cuts to her like just eating normally. And it's like, he's got food. He's been through that same fathering and like nurturing process and loving process of Violet that Gilbert has. So there is some attachment on that part for Claudia. I, th- I think you're, you're right, right, Andy, that he, he was actually far better father figure than than Gilbert ever was. He mm. he gave her a chance to learn how to find a place in the world. He didn't pressure her into doing things she didn't want to. He gave her this chance to become who she was and she'd grown into it. And the fact that we see her, him taking her to the same restaurant that he sits her down in in that first episode and now she's cutting this meal up and you doing eating everything fine. Like, yeah, that's a, a really nice little scene of her growth that he sees. And uh, yeah, the fact that he get, he gave her that shows that just Gilbert was a bad boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Well, also Gilbert. Gilbert had um, the other woman in the show. Uh, I can't remember her name now. Iris, is it Iris, uh, or is it Catalia? Do you mean that uh, Cat- Claudia oh, had Catalia? Yeah, yeah, Claudia had Catalia. They were they Jessica were Rabbit looking uh, auto doll, right? <laughs> no, that's the the red topped with the massive. Yeah, the Jessica Rabbit looking one. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, Jessica Rabbit. Right, yeah. I thought you said the <laughs> rabbit-looking one, and I was like, well, one looks like a fucking rabbit. <laughs> well, it was kind of that whole thing that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, um, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a good ending to Violet Evergarden. It was admittedly written in the stars when the show started that they would meet, but it felt that it was it was well-directed and well... And, you know, you were... As a as a story goes, you were strung along in a way that I felt didn't really drop any balls and was pretty solid. So yeah, I'd give it a big thumbs up. I'll probably watch it again, maybe when and and then also the new characters that came in. I thought that they were they were properly well realized and they had their own emotional depth. Which it was weird that there was it's kind of a repeat of the dead parent story from the series, but. That was also the best story in the series, so mm-hmm. I'm glad that they brought that back. <laughs> yeah, I I think some of our pro- problems with it probably just come down to, as you said, Andy, it having to recap and reestablish the stakes, and mm-hmm. that balloons its length up to that full two hours twenty minutes. So yeah, I, I guess that's that, here's a good finishing question for you guys: Would you recommend it to someone as a standalone film? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> this is this is like your dessert for you know if you if you've watched the whole series if you watch the two double length OVAs and you still want more and you still want closure this is the movie for you. It is two hours of just like giving you everything that you want as a Violet Stan. You know you're you don't want any <laughs> kind of like deep sort of like a deconstruction of it you don't want any of that you just want this good girl to be happy and you will get you will get that you will you will learn that the power of human bonds can heal all wounds that (laughs) the rejection of the same is what makes you a villain and it will it will give you those like good anime virtues and that's that's who this is for this is not for the skeptic this is not for the uninitiated like if you if you want more violet evergarden you should watch this movie i'm going to be contrary to you jeff and say i think this is perfectly fine 
granted. It will mean that you don't need to watch the rest of the series that much, but I feel that it introduces everything in a way that means that anybody who's not au fait with the series can still understand it and catch up. I also feel that at the end of the day, story about missing love, and I think that hits home no matter whether you're a fan or not. Duncan. What do you I think? Feel I, may, I feel I may actually, I may actually side with you here, Andy. I'm shocked to say that, but <laughs> I, 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 th- I think you may have a point that the, the broadness of the brushstrokes that I criticise also means that it's expressing fairly universal emotions, which and telling a story which people can relate to, and so I don't think it necessarily needs the fine degree of knowledge of what's happened in those episodes previously and there are nods there are nods to those episodes you know there's the bit with the theater i mean they could have cut that out they could have totally cut out a lot of stuff and it would have it would have maybe been a slightly better movie like they could have cut out that theater shit entirely i don't even know why (laughs) that was there apart from fan service but i guess they had to put it in because people care about that was that the playwright and the dead daughter i think that's what it was wasn't it Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh which again was a like second best episode. <laughs> uh, but... You rate rating the episodes, of course, by uh, the emotional morkiness of the premise. It's it's the it's it's the dying mother. That's that's obviously number one. Yeah. That dead daughter number two. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's number of dead family members. That's if yeah. you don't have any, you don't get in the listings. It's just just not right. Yeah, I I I know. I I do think it's a, a fairly solid standalone movie. Okay. Yeah. So shall we wrap it up there, gentlemen? I think, I think so. so. I think so. Okay. So everyone, that's it for tonight. If you enjoyed this, email us at keyframespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at keyframespod. Like us on Facebook at keyframespodcast. Rate, review, and sub- sub- subscribe to us on the podcast app of your choice, be that iTunes, Spotify, or whatever iTunes is dead. <laughs> well, I can cut that bit out, Andy. <laughs> but what I won't cut out is the idea that if someone liked this, they should tell a friend. But not just any friend, Duncan. If I were you, I'd, I'd tell the friend who's uh, emotionally dead inside him and you're like, hey, why don't you write a bunch of letters to a person that you think is dead or, and or missing? That will that'll fix you right up, love. And, and then, yeah, do that. That'll be great. And then tell them about this. And then tell them to watch Violet Evergarden. <laughs> and then they'll be like, oh, my God, that's me. I can relate, finally. <laughs> As we know, Violet Evergarden is the every woman of anime. <laughs> so Absolutely. How could that not be true? true. Uh, next time we'll be discussing uh, winter 2021? Or is it? 22. God damn it. Why oh, can't you be bored? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next time we'll be discussing the winter 2022 season and our opinions on the series therein. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.